0: Welcome to the hard truth about B2B e-commerce. Uh, we're on episode 12 uh, with Naseem uh, Batesh. And uh, I'm your host, Isaiah Bollinger from uh, from Trellis. Uh, unfortunately, our co-host uh, is uh, not with us today, Timothy. We were both had some vacation time, so we kind of decided to each do one separately. So we'll be back to normal after this episode um before we get into it i just want to mention our sponsor punch out to go uh punch out to go has been uh, a great sponsor for us and uh is a global b2b integration company specializing in connecting commerce business platforms with e-procurement and erp applications so um you know essentially they're connecting e-commerce uh platforms with uh clients uh e-procurement and erp applications to automate the flow of purchasing data um so you can immediately reduce integration complexities for punch out catalogs electronic purchase orders e-invoices and other b2b sales order order automation documents so thank you to punch out to go um and yeah let's let's get into it um nasim uh so nasim batesh is with us um he's a technology manager of nortex uh i hope i'm saying that right <laughs> nortex uh and he has been in software development his entire career yeah. and kind of fell into b2b e-commerce uh which i think everyone in b2b e-commerce sort of falls into at some point in their career um although some people may have done it purposefully um but uh like myself he kind of fell into uh e-commerce and then B2B e-commerce. So Basim, um, you know, or sorry, Naseem. Uh, <laughs> it's confusing, your, it, combining your last name and your first name. So Nasim, give us a little bit more on your background and how you kind of got into this e-commerce world.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, first of all, thank you for having me. I think it's amazing that you're doing a podcast on B2B because like there's absolutely no information out there. Um, yeah, uh, I think that uh, it, it would be really helpful when I started to be able to have like somewhere to go and somewhere to like hear about what everybody else is doing. So thank you for that. Thank um, you. Yeah, uh, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I I guess my background is mostly software development. I throughout my career. I helped uh, startups mostly develop software products around, uh, more specifically around data analytics, um, and across multiple industries. So I started in the restaurant industry and then went into, um, and then went into like other type of softwares, data analytics, smart tech, and stuff like that, um, and it was actually funny i got into b2b commerce because i my my h1b didn't come out when i was living in boston i had to move back to panama with my wife and i went to work with my um with my family business and it just came about that i, I arrived in panama and i saw that nobody was actually working on digitizing the company and I, for me that was like a you know, I wanted to keep working in what I liked. I, I was, I had like 10 years working in sort of the software industry, and when I kept, and when I keep doing that, I, I didn't want to stop because I was really passionate about it. And sure. uh, uh, yeah, and I guess I took it upon myself on taking the company online. So I, I went back and I started pull, pulling all the strings to move the company towards what I in a selfish way towards what i wanted to go um towards what i what i envisioned that the world the future was going to be which was essentially b2b commerce yeah
0: and uh, i'm sure so it's a predict- short
1: story. yeah yeah
0: that, thank you um i'm sure you didn't predict uh covid-19 uh, the coronavirus so that probably uh changed things quite a bit for you guys and probably made you feel good about the decision cuz you probably helped them yeah, you know, be in a better place during this time would you say that's correct
1: yeah for sure i think it was like the, i guess the best worst thing that happened to us was, was on the one side you lost a lot of yourselves because everything closed down but on the other side it helped uh push forward uh my vision so it like helped push forward uh, um the digital of the company from one day to the next you had like from 10% of the sales go online to 100% um you know what i mean wow so basically showrooms are now wordless yeah wow yeah
0: so quite a big shift for you guys um so um tell me a little bit uh since you you have a very technical background um Tell me a little bit about. Um, uh, so we talked kind of about your background and how you got into B two B e commerce. Um, and I think we, you know, we talked earlier. And originally, you guys were looking, uh, were using Shopify. Quickly realized that 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 wasn't a good decision, and then you decided to go with more of a custom solution. Can you talk a little bit about that and how? You know, for people that are new to this, they might do what you did. They might say, "Oh, I need Shopify," and then realize it's not.
1: Yeah, know, for sure. Yeah, for sure. So so we started at first with Shopify. Um and we soon came into the realization that Shopify wasn't gonna work um just because Shopify was built um to manage sort of like really small catalogs and we had like a huge, like immense catalogs and it wasn't scaling very well. And a lot of the functionality that usually require for the for the business complexity in B2B, Shopify did not allow for that. And we went through several iterations where we wanted to try Shopify Plus um, and then the Shopify Wholesale Edition and like none of them actually worked. Um, so what we end actually ended up doing, it was really funny because we were in a meeting with the VP of Shopify and telling, them, telling him how we modify his platform to work with our industry, uh, which essentially it backfired. Uh, So what we did is we used like um, some custom fields that Shopify has built in and that you weren't supposed to use them for like have all the advanced pricing. Um, And it eventually backfired because the platform became really slow and like collapsed the entire entire team. Um, So what we decided is, I remember perfectly we, we met with, a, with the entire team one day and we said, we said like, we need to find a new solution and we we had a fair, we, ha, we had to go into a fair in two months. So we in basically we had two months to develop the entire platform. Um, and we started looking into, let's say like WordPress and we looked into other more advanced software that were in like 100,000 to 200,000 range. And we saw the solutions and what we realized is that our business was so complex that none of the softwares allow for, for allow for what, allow for a business to run online? Um, so we it, it, now that I think about it, it, it was it wasn't a very smart decision, but it was probably the best decision that we had at the moment. Um, so we started developing everything from scratch. Um, we took uh, um, me and myself actually um, back then. We didn't have many developers. Um, we only had one working on the ERP and myself, and I took it upon myself to develop the entire sort of B2B platform from scratch, um, which included everything from advanced pricing, like the uh, um, every, so everything that, I, that you expect in a B2B commerce, but like more personalized, more customized. Um, gotcha. Permission mean- management and everything. Else. Yeah,
0: so you guys built out a lot of a lot of features and you did this with React um would you kind of say that you took that headless approach where you had kind of the independent front end and then you were pulling in data from other sources is that kind of where you ended up? Yes,
1: yeah, so uh, I think that so, so here's one thing that we realized early on. So when we were in Shopify, we started collecting user data. So like, um, everything from like what browser did they use? What, uh, what size were the phones, everything. And we also, we built sort of like a custom JavaScript that measured the performance of the devices that the people were using. Um, and we realized that the internet connection that they had were like in I guess that in most places in the U.S. you realize that internet is stable so your expectation is that the internet works but in most places in Latin America that's not the case so we had that script measuring sort of the internet connection the stability of the network and the performance of the devices that we're using and we realized that we had to build something that was extremely fast that was extremely reliable on low-end networks and that was Mm. extremely reliable on intermittent internet so because because of that we decided that the logical reason was to have something um that was separated completely from the backend um from like a a regular cms almost similar to uh, how shopify and workers work where where everything renders in the server so using shopify uh, i mean using react we had to Build something that both rendered in the user side and in the server. Uh, so that it allowed for really good SEO and at the same time allowed for extremely good speed on the, uh, like really fast, um, how do you say it? So like really fast, like re- really fast response in the user side. Yeah. Um, yeah, so you guys went,
0: so it's, we, it's kind of this term called headless is the, the term people are using, like headless commerce. Um, so what that means is they're using a framework like React. I'm trying to explain it for the, the, the non-technical people. And you can kind of pull in the data that you need via APIs and, um, you know, potentially even GraphQL and other other uh, new technologies. So it only loads the data that you need, at, you know, so you're not kind of constantly reloading the page every time. So I think it's definitely the future. It's definitely faster. It has a lot of flexibility and benefits. And it's great for B2B because with B2B, you might have ERP data, you might have your CMS data, you might have other systems. I mean, some of these B2B companies have lots of different systems and you can bring that all into the headless front end. So I think that was a really smart decision that you guys made there, um, just kind of forging ahead with that. Um, I'm sure always in hindsight, there are certain things you would have done differently, but It sounds like it it helped you guys um, move forward in in the right direction overall, and has gotten you to a much better place with B2B e-commerce. So, um, I think I think the lesson here that that um, it, that what you're describing is that if you want to really become fully digital, which is you're saying 100 percent of sales online, correct? Is that what you're saying now? You need to have mm-hmm. insane yeah. flex, like you need to kind of really personalize and create a lot of flexibility in the in the site so that you can accommodate a wide range of use cases and customers. And I think it's really hard to find a platform that's gonna do that for your for a B2B business because they're all different, they have their own different ways of doing things. So I think you have to be like, even if you choose a platform, let's say Magento or Shopify, you have to be expecting to customize it very heavily. And I think that's the mistake a lot of these companies make is they think, oh, I can buy a Magento, I can buy Insight, and now I'm just gonna get mm-hmm. my B2B e-commerce up and running, but it's like, okay, but you, really you're gonna need to customize it. You need engineers, whether it's paying someone like us Trellis or hiring someone like seem like there's a big lift there, regardless I think of what technology. Would, would, would you agree with that?
1: Uh, I mean, yeah, for sure. I, I think that there are limitations if you mm. buy something that's already like made, so some sort that's already built. So if you use Magento or WordPress or anything like that, I, I think, and I think that it, that's a bit that's a complexity in the B two B world that there's a, a lot of these business run really complex like uh, processes that are that are need to build sure. into the software and the. And the benefit of going headless, which is having the front end separate from the back end, is that you can integrate with a hundred different systems. It's like, for example, exactly. we have, um, we have the CMS back end, but then we also have another sort of, or three different applications integrated into us, which include like serverless code in AWS and includes another other applications we built throughout the way.
0: Yeah. So you guys are starting to slowly. And I think that's the future. It's like you, you know, you have certain applications for specific purposes. Maybe CMS just does blogs, yeah. pages, you know, certain kinds of content. ERP does orders, customers, you know, you might have a CRM that's separate from yeah. the ERP. You might have a PIM that just does product it, like you all of a sudden you could have the best back end for the specific purpose and then bring that mm-hmm. into the front end with headless. And I think that's where B2B needs to head. Um, it's just hard for I think a lot of B2B companies to wrap their head around this when they're still just trying to get a basic website up. and running.
1: So um, yeah, yeah, for sure.
0: <laughs> um, so um, here, uh, while we're still on the topic and we're kind of jumping around, you mentioned, you know, I think there's so much that we can get into in terms of what's different with B2B and from B2C. Could you talk a little bit about what you think some of the key differentiators are? Like you talked about personalization, large catalogs, like what do you, like, you know, you're not just selling t-shirts on Shopify. Can you explain like some of the, the key things that you think come up in B2B uh, e-commerce that aren't necessarily as relevant in B2C? I, I, you
1: you know that I, I've think about, I, I've thought about is, uh, this a lot and which is, the hard question um, of B2B, I think that most B2C commerce are built for, let's say to manage three or four products at a time, or maybe you have some crazy users buying like 10 products at a time, but most B2B users are going to buy like a few, if you have, you going to the, the, the large site, they're going to buy, they're going to have carts anywhere from 500 products to let's say like a thousand or 2000 products. Wow. And, you know that mo- I, I didn't. I didn't think about this because I came. I knew how to buy on Amazon. I knew how to use an e-commerce, a B two C commerce, but I never thought about it using it in a world of B two B. And in a B two C, you go in and you see maybe a hundred products, and and these platforms are optimized for product discovery, as opposed to in a B two B, you need to optimize for ease of navigation. Because the the thing is that um in a B2B world, you need to look into look, uh, let's say five thousand products in in a spread of like three or four hours, as opposed to like a B2B2C. B2C, you spend maybe ten minutes, twenty minutes, thirty minutes. Stop if you really like the website, you buy something, and then you check out. So I think it's like a completely different experience, and I think. I came into the realization recently that uh, that the reason that we're struggling so much in B two B is that we're trying to adopt an e commerce world from a different type, a different buying experience. So, like like what I mentioned, like we're trying to take the world that is optimized for like half an hour for buying and half an hour, and put it in a world that needs to spend four or five hours in a website. And I, yeah, that, so you're that, saying they might go and they're like, okay, I'm going to, I'm
0: building, you know, this construction project. I need, you know, these hundred materials or 200 materials or this really complex, like buying process of all these, mm-hmm. you know, they need good pricing. They need to make get the right sizes, the right exact inventory. So they might have a, a card of a hundred, 200, 300, 500 items. They might have order approval like to send to their manager so that the manager can approve it. It's just like you said, it's, it's like a completely different and more complicated shopping experience than You know, your B2C. Okay, I just got some beef jerky on Amazon.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think people knew- to be careful there because you need to optimize the explore, uh, for, for very different from the B2C. Yeah.
0: So, so I like the idea of like, um, these larger catalogs, um, larger purchasing processes. Um, could you get into any of the specifics of what you guys have done around personalization and order a you know, order approval or, you know, do you have like corporate accounts or how, how you know, With B two C, you have the simple, basic account. You know what I mean. And I think with B two B, sometimes that gets a lot more complicated.
1: So, so I guess I guess that we we had to like uh, add the approval. So before the approval process was sort of in the checkout, where you checked out and then we approved the order. So we had to move the approval process from the checkout to the account creation. Um, so, that let's say that once you get into our funnel, sort of like our, our sales funnel, we approve you, uh, approve the account, and then everything goes the same way would be in a B2C. Uh, but before that approval process was actually in the checkout. So we had to like change the way we work to be gotcha. able to, to optimize this for the web.
0: And when you approve someone to be a buyer or um, on, on your website, do you give them special payment terms? Like, okay, this person gets net 30 or this person has to pay with credit card because maybe you don't trust them as much. Like, do you guys do anything like that with how you handle their payment terms or?
1: Um, no, I mean, we have available every payment method and they can pay any any way they want home um, as long as they pay
0: <laughs> gotcha okay so you just give yeah, them lots so... of options
1: yeah exactly um
0: what about pricing have you guys done anything to kind of like maybe your bigger customers get better pricing is there anything like that or have you tried to just kind of automate that all through the website
1: so it's actually completely automated. So one of the things we build into the software is that uh, once you log in, you get your pr- you get uh, your price, your custom price. So I think throughout the way, most most of our clients um, have a different price than the standard price, um, which is usually lower, like a discount. And then once you log in into your account, you already have your price set up, everything set up.
0: So is it, when it's automated, do you mean that like, do they over time, if they buy more, they get a better price or do you have to manually go in and say, okay, we're going to give this person an, even a bigger discount. Um, how do you, how do you guys like, like what happens if someone's like, Hey, I think I well, should the, get a better price over
1: time. You know, Uh, the discount depends on the card size. Um, so the entire order. Gotcha. Size, yeah. So you can created yeah. some
0: logic and some rules based on what you think is best for the business based on cart size and volume. And you're like, okay, at this size, we can give this discount. So it's fairly automated. Yeah. Um, and I think that makes yeah, sense. It's I very, could see, yeah. yeah. I could see the future of B2B e-commerce. Like a lot of companies have this manual pricing. Oh, this customer's bought this, let's give them this price. They have like a lot of manual pricing and, and, and kind of like uh, on, a, on a per customer basis. But I could see the future being more algorithm driven where, you know, based on categories and cart size and total annual volume that you purchased and maybe even location. If they're closer, it's easier to ship. Maybe you give them a better price. Yeah. I could see kind of the future being more algorithm driven. And it sounds like you guys are starting to move in that direction.
1: Yeah. So so everything is algorithm driven and. So we, when you're going to realize that when once you log in into your platform, you have to share that location because we have everything built in into the algorithm. So we know where um, you are, where you're, like what's your country, what's your city, and everything. So we build everything into
0: it. So would the logistics play into the pricing? Because if they're further away, it's harder to ship. Does that get uh, factored into their pricing, or is it more based on their shipping cost?
1: i'm not gonna i'm gonna say that not yet but one like soon soon enough so it's it's coming it's out the pipeline
0: yeah wow you guys are yeah this is really cool so you guys are really really put driving towards automation and and i'm just curious how was that with the the family you know your family business that's always tough because you know it's the (laughs) it's the family um when when yeah. you started automating this stuff did was there problems within the family or people still wanted to do things the old school way they wanted the in person relationships like how did you overcome that or how do the people stay involved and and not feel like they're kind of left out in the in the company
1: um so that's a very hard question to answer uh, <laughs> i I think you i think yeah, you touched uh, every point there so it's like um i guess at first we had a lot of resistance so that's why that's why i mentioned um at the start that i had to sort of like pull the strings from the back without people realizing to shift the company in this direction um a lot of what i thought the world so uh so where i came from a software background from a, so, a startup background and most of what you yeah. build in a startup it's like these amazing softwares are really automated and, and don't, don't depend much on people. Um, and I had to like slowly pull the strings of like, let's say my sisters, my my grandfathers, and my, you know what I mean, the entire family to be able to shift the company in that direction. Um, it was a struggle at first because I, I guess when, once you're used to way of thinking, it's very hard to change that way of thinking. Um, yeah and uh, changing someone's perspective is hard so was there a turning point where like they
0: saw that it was working and they saw that this is doing better that they were like oh wow this is like great like was there a turning point where they started to believe more and 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 trust you more with this sorry i think we're uh we're lagging a little bit Did, did you hear what i said
1: Oh the water Yeah, yeah, yes. Can you hear me fine? Sorry,
0: yeah. Yeah, I think I can hear you now. Sorry, we're getting my, my connection's not as good as it normally is. So sorry, can, continue.
1: Sure. So I, I think throughout the way they started to realize um, it worked maybe like on December. on um, they started they started to see the unit, but I guess until coronavirus came, they weren't they weren't 100% convinced. I guess until like let's say they had to close down the showroom and they had to move everything online. um So coronavirus, once, they were like, once, wow, this like
0: <laughs> <laughs> sorry, continue, go
1: ahead. Yeah, sorry, I think that there is a lag there. So um yeah, coronavirus made everything like on like forced us to go online essentially
0: cool so you were kind of ahead of the curve and then all of a sudden coronavirus hits and the family's like oh great we gotta do this because what else are we gonna do and now now it looks like uh you know the right move um and you probably probably have an easier time convincing them <laughs> i'm guessing um, yeah for sure but, but i could see how difficult that was um before coronavirus um, so we kind of touched on these, uh, topics a little bit. Um, what do you think is the difference between success and failure? Um, you know, in some ways you guys had some failures, but you persevered and continued and then succeeded with the, the more custom route. Um, and you've had some internal battles with culture and things like that. But let's say you're talking to another family owned B2B company and they're struggling, they don't know, or they're, they're they don't even know where to go. What what would you recommend to help them maybe avoid some failures? <laughs> um, I think failures are inevitable when you're starting out, but.
1: Sure, I, I think that my recommendation would be take something from the startup world. Um, And who's your client? What phone do they own? What computer do they own? Um, How's the internet connection? How are they used to buying online? So it's actually something very funny. If you go onto a website, you would see that the close icon for or, or pop-ups or models are actually quite big, uh, bigger than usual. And the reason for that is that we we realized looking at the recordings of the website that most of our users didn't know that if you clicked outside of pop-up, you it would remove the pop-up from your screen. Um, they didn't realize how that the, you can click outside a pop-up to close it. So we had to actually made the the closing icons really big so that they were able to see them. Um, gotcha. To yeah, to see them more easily. So so that I I think that that's a secret. Um, understanding who your customers is. is is your customer very like uh, does your customer is the customer type of person that requires an app in the phone or is a person. That, um, that knows how to use an e-commerce. Is he used to buying an Amazon, or or is he used or is he used to going to their sort of like their pain points? I guess. Um, and, and, and that's my best recommendation. Like you, you have success. You will have success if you understand who your client is, who your user is and how
0: they buy yeah so basically what you're saying is you want to tailor it around what the buying expectations are of the customer and and if they're familiar with a certain type of experience maybe try and do something closer to that experience so that it's less of a learning curve for them
1: yeah and and the other thing is that don't take it don't take this from b2c which is b2c sort of experience in the website is more like open to interpretation as opposed to like in b2b you have to guide the user through a certain path um you want it through like a certain a certain path in your website to guide to guide the sale uh, as opposed mm. to like leaving it open up for the user
0: Gotcha. So you think it should, yeah, it
1: makes sense. So when you're a consumer,
0: you're like, oh, I'm exploring, I'm learning, maybe I want this, maybe I don't. You're kind of shopping, right? Whereas with B2B, you're trying to guide them. They might, okay, I want these materials. You're trying to guide them through that process to make it easier for them to buy it and get
1: what they need. Yeah.
0: Cool. Sorry. I think we're uh my internet connection is 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 not the greatest right now. So I apologize. I think that. we have some
1: lag there, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um so um so yeah, sorry about the internet right now. Um so um what do you see as kind of the uh the future of uh B2B e-commerce? I think we've kind of alluded to it a little bit, but You know, what what would you say your kind of your vision is um, for the next, you know, five years, you know, as you hopefully grow this and automate more of this and and turn this into, you know, something that could be, I think, really, really amazing in South America. um, That doesn't, there's not a whole lot, there's not as much of an Amazon presence in South America, right? So I think there's a little bit more of a opportunity there for you guys.
1: that's a that's a hard question so on one side there's like uh there, there's a tread you know um there's a trend from direct to consumer brands that are usually um cheaper because they remove sort of the, the operational cost of a b2b and they give that benefit to the consumer so that's yeah. on one side but on on the other side i would say that there's a huge space um especially in Latin America to offer sort of like a B2B that's completely digitized, that the experience is completely digitized. And the reason for that is that you see that most of the companies are still working the way they used to 20 years ago or 10 years ago, where they have a pen and paper and they write everything down and then they send it to to the customer and they select what they want, or they have like a printed catalog that they have to ship with DHL to be able to select products. and I'm hmm. seeing uh, that again and again in in a lot of companies. And I say, and um, in, in the largest companies, sort the, the the ones that are supposed to be the more advanced, you see them that they have a website, but they have a very basic website, and they don't have any know how into how um how to build like uh, a really good experience around B two B commerce. And so I see a lot of opportunity there. So like taking digitizing the entire sort of selling experience. And that's that's one thing in especially in Latin America, but another recommendation would be to anyone headless for a B2B commerce, it's actually very benefic- very beneficial because like you said, uh, you're able to bring all, all your systems together into one UI one seamless UI and it's completely, the user doesn't realize that he's using about 10 different platforms and, and he's, th- he's thinking that he's in the same website. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. You don't have to shift them throughout different. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So would you say, you know, to sum that up, the future is kind of this digitized, more automated experience where. You have this kind of unified front end, but then you have all these different systems in the back end, kind of optimizing different processes and automating different processes. And as we move that will get more and more advanced, maybe more pricing logic, more shipping logic, more, just more advanced logic to personalize around the use cases.
1: Yeah. So yeah. I loved your episode. I think it was the last episode where you said that there was a drone that was going into the pipes and looking for the parts I needed replacement. Yeah. 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 So and yeah, I think like, that that. Yeah. yeah.
0: Sorry, continue. Go ahead.
1: And I think that's a way to go. So like automate a lot of those things that you used to do very manually and digitize them.
0: Yeah. So even people out in the field, you know, they can just call in a a part and get it delivered in real time. There's a break in something and they're out in the field or they're because B2B, you know, you're dealing with people that are contractors, all sorts of different types of people, and they might be out working, and then they need a replacement part or they may need something on demand in real time. And I think that real time delivery experience is going to, is going to come to B2B e-commerce. Yeah. Cool. Um, so any, any last remarks? I mean, I think uh, it, uh, I apologize for the, the the bad internet today. I'm not, not at my normal location, but um, any kind of closing remarks or advice you'd have for anyone before we, we kind of wrap this up or.
1: Um, yeah, sure. So so my advice would be to anyone that wants to start in the B2B commerce is think about um, take something from the startup world, take something from the tech world, um, think about the user, um, understand who they are. Like I mentioned before, that I think that's a key to success. Yep. Yeah, so that really, would be, I guess, my ad- my advice.
0: Cool. So really understand your user, your buyer, how they buy, how you can digitize that and make it easier for them to buy online and maybe even like, you know, do some use cases or or talk to them or walk them through a, a prototype or something like that. I, I could see how that could be very valuable before you do the full investment uh, in the full-fledged uh, product. Um, well, thank you so much, Nassim. I think we're gonna have to have you back. Uh, I wanna see what you guys are up to in like a year from now. I can imagine you guys are gonna have even more automation, more uh, advanced rules and, and innovation that I think um, I think you guys have a lot to be proud of, um, especially in a place like South America where, like you said, most things are still very, you know, pen and paper. And you guys, I think are one of the more advanced B2B e-commerce companies that I've talked to, including uh, all the US companies that we deal with. So um, really great information. Uh, Once again, I apologize for the laggy internet. Hopefully everyone can still understand the, the messaging and the value that we provided and I hope everyone can come back for episode uh, 13 with uh, Mark Sutherland, who's uh, been in the B2B space for quite some time. Um, So thank you so much, Nassim.
1: Well, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to share my experience and share my knowledge. I think what you're doing here, it's amazing. Um, There's a huge, I I think there's a lot lot to cover actually.
0: (laughs) I know, I know. And I'm excited to join
1: you again next year.
0: Yeah, I think uh, I'm excited to see what you're up to. So we'll make it happen. And I'm sure you're gonna wow us with some some even more advanced
1: innovation in, in, in a year or so from now. Thank you.